The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This episode of the Crack House Chronicles is brought to you by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. This is not a crisis line or a self-help line. It's professional counseling done securely online. Now, Dale, this is a broad range of expertise that is available, which may not be locally available in many areas. Yeah, this service is available for clients worldwide. Worldwide? Worldwide. Worldwide. And you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get a timely and thoughtful response, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So you don't have to worry about sitting in an uncomfortable waiting room and waiting on a traditional therapist. Yeah, which is really good in this time. You don't really want to go and sit in the waiting room with a bunch of people with stuff going on that's going on today. Sitting there with a mask on and... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's no good. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. And if you don't like your counselor, it's pretty easy to change. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. It's more affordable than traditional online counseling, and financial aid is available. That's always good. Right there. That's, a, that's awesome. Yeah. And BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. That's right. So visit their website and read the testimonials. They're posted there daily. All right, Dale. Visit BetterHelp dot com slash chc that's better h-e-l-p and you can join over one million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional that's right in fact so many people are using it now they're actually recruiting counselors in all 50 states so a special offer for our listeners you can get 10 percent off your first month at betterhelp.com slash chc you got to use the code word betterhelp.com slash C-H-C. Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles. I am Donnie, your host, and with me is a man that says that if he is ever murdered, his chalk outline better be holding a beer <laughs> it's dale that's right because that's about the way it is what's going on man <laughs> i don't know much what's up with you i'm glad to be back in the crack house and know, record man. an episode we got had life and things get in the way we've had that happen the last couple of weeks and uh, i think we're about ready to get back on track i think so too uh you got any shout outs for us we do have a few i'd like to shout out to uh send men 19 out in las vegas uh they become a pretty good fan and always keeping up with us and see make sure we're all right out here and uh they come along from being a uh, reference from uh, Unknown Passage Pod, who uh, would like to, speaking of, would like to wish happy birthday to uh, Felicity, who was, uh, her birthday was yesterday as we record. Oh. Today is the, the 10th. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd like to give a shout out to my wife, Kimberly, who we had an anniversary yesterday as we recorded Ooh. the 10th on the 9th. And uh, happy anniversary. Happy Kimberly. anniversary. All right, then. How many years? Damn, we got to ask a question. 14? 14 years. 14, I think. You better know. <laughs> yeah. 
You better know how many years it is. At least you know the date. I do know the date. That's it, man. All right, Dale. We want to remind everybody, too, to keep a check on our social media. Check it on our Instagram, Facebook, our website. And our YouTube channel. Absolutely. It and was a quickly approaching 30,000 downloads last it's time. It's over 30,000. Is it really? It's over 30,000. And also, We appreciate everyone. Yep. Check out the website, our store page, the merch, the t-shirts, the mugs. We're going to have some new designs coming up soon. Absolutely. And get on there and get you a Crack House t-shirt, man. Yeah, everybody needs a Crack House t-shirt. Man. Absolutely. I got several. <laughs> yep. I got a few, too. I love them. They wear good. They're comfortable. And they wash good. They don't fade. That's right. And you always get a, a good compliment on them. Yep. They're quite flashy. They are. All right. We're going to get into our episode, man. What we got going on today? We have a serial killer from Ohio by the name of Sean Great. He was extremely handsome. He had a great smile and sweetness about his eyes. He was very kind and very compassionate. I fell head over heels in love with him. Sparks were flying and I was smitten. I got pregnant in November and then we got married in December. But then as the normalcy of marriage set in, he started to seem very restless. Sean always demanded things sexually. He was forceful with me. It was his way or no way. Even going to church, he was angry and upset. He would be in the shower and scream you at me. One time he put his hands around my neck and pushed me down into the bed and I instantly felt feared. Looking in his eyes, it seemed like a darkness there. When I found out Sean was cheating on me, I confronted him. He just packed a bag and he left. I remember vividly praying over him and our marriage, but there was no other option than to divorce. Sean started sending me some threatening messages. He told me he was going to put my family's names in a hat and he would start taking care of them one by one in the grand finale. He also said if he could not see his daughter, then no one was going to see her. I got a restraining order against Sean because I was afraid, but then things settled down and I felt like maybe it's okay to see him again. One night I was missing him and we got together. Then things got physical. He tried to rape me. That was the last time I saw Sean face to face. When I learned about Sean's arrest, I was in total shock. I could not believe it. It could have been me. For whatever reason, he did spare my life. He was born on August 8th, 1976 in Ashland County, Ohio. And... So this one's uh, fairly recent still. Very recent. Mm -hmm. And he went to River Valley High School. And just a background on River Valley High School, like I said, he graduated in 1995. But in 2003, they opened up a new campus there because the old campus had to be closed due to the possibility of cancer-causing chemicals Hmm. at the old campus. I wonder what was going on with that. I don't know. It's been something in the ground. There's no telling. But, you know, sort of a little background on Sean Great. His uh, full name is Sean Michael Great, and today he is 44 years old. And he is a convicted serial killer from killings in, from 2006 and then in 2015 and 2016. Right. So he, he, kept, he skipped some years there, or there's a lot of killings we don't know about. Right, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, he's 
convicted of five, but they could be more in there. Yeah. And maybe down the road with DNA and all that stuff, maybe they'll find out some more stuff. Yeah, plenty of murders and rapes and kidnapping and stuff in his background. Now, Sean Great was always charming, always smiling, and and all the ladies said he had those big blue eyes, and all the girls liked Sean. And even a classmate of his, Amy Smith, who knew him, said that about him and knew him as a teenager from uh, Marion, Ohio. But women also found him to be controlling, jealous, and violent, even at an early age, at 18. So he was a lady killer in more than one way. (laughs) Very much a lady killer. (laughs) When he was 18, he was arrested for grabbing his girlfriend by the throat. Yeah. And by age 23, he broke into a 17-year-old pregnant girlfriend's home and choked her and later threatened to kill her. Mm. Yeah. He got in trouble for that, didn't he? He did. And he sentenced him for four years? Yeah. Which he only served seven months? About seven months. Yeah. And just, well, eight months later, he assaulted the same woman and her sister while holding a butcher knife and hiding all night under her couch. So apparently he didn't learn much in them seven months. No. Hiding in a couch. How do you hide in a couch? I don't know, Donnie. (laughs) Of all people, we should know. Yeah. I mean... (laughs) Hide in the couch. I mean, yeah. I used to do that when I was a kid, <laughs> get behind the cushions or something. But, you know, as an adult, I just don't see hiding in the There's couch. There's not much room in there. Yeah. Tall and lanky. So. Yeah, he, he was described as about 6'1 or 6'2, about 175, 180 pounds. Yeah. Some of these pictures of him, he looks pretty strung out and yeah, really lean. Yeah. Now, one of Sean's teenage girlfriends believes that he might have begun to experience some mental health issues in his late 20s. And he would put all his effort into a project, work as hard as he could, and then a couple weeks later, you know, just give up on it. Right. It was like he he couldn't follow anything through or see anything through. Well, it was like he's having some uh, serious depression problems, too, because they wouldn't never get off the couch. He'd just lay there for days. Yeah. Yeah. And he'd just give up on everything. So I'm sure something was going on. And even this girlfriend said a female friend of hers who even dated Sean uh, both before 1999 and after they finally broke up with him because of erratic behavior. And she'd been concerned that he just wasn't acting right Right. all this time. Pretty smart to get out when you can. Yep. Truthfully. Now, a female by the name of Christina Hildreth met Sean Great in 2005 and ended up dating him for five years while living in Crawford County. This is in Ohio. And she said he was very handsome, quite charming, and he had a way of looking at you like you were the only person he saw. That's hmm. in my eyes. You know, it makes me want to believe that, you know, he he found weaknesses in people and preyed on that. Yep. Yeah, that seems to be a, a good trait that a lot of serial killers have. Yeah. You know, if they had a drug problem or something, he would, he would capitalize on that, or if they had something else going on he would if they needed some attention he knew that uh pick them out of a, yeah pick out the weak the weak ones yeah exactly i guess you'd say but later you know talking about this christina hildreth they moved in together at the same residence and she started he started showing a side that was cold and indifferent you know he wanted to be himself right well it's probably harder for them to hide that when they're living together you know yeah it's just 
visiting for a couple hours, then you can be somebody else. Yeah. All right. But when you with somebody all the time, <clears throat> yeah, that's when everything comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Now his escalating violence. Sean will live with his mother in Marion uh, after his parents divorced. He turned 18 in August of 1994, and he graduated in 1995, like we said. And yeah. Sean's mom... Yeah, his mom got custody originally of him and his older brother. Yeah. But then she later gave up custody to her, to her dad. Mm-hmm. And uh, after, shortly after that's when he got arrested for his, his first offense, when he assaulted his girlfriend, like you said, yeah. in 94, uh, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's not clear that if he had a, a juvenile record... No, I couldn't find anything. No, because like uh, his first adult rest came just 14 weeks after his 18th birthday while still in school. Yeah. And, you know, at that time, juvenile records would be expunged. Right. So it's, it's hard to tell if he had anything going on like that. So it's kind of like a lot of them where they have a uh, broken home kind of background, but there wasn't no uh, evidence of much abuse that I saw or anything. It was just kind of like just a broken home. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, our episode we recorded on uh, Randall Woodfield, you know, his juvenile record got expunged and there was yeah. nothing on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But a lot of that was because he was a star football player. True. <laughs> but was trying to make something out of him. Yep. But he wasn't helping him much. <laughs> no. And, you know, even according to police records, the, his girlfriend at the time had been trying to get out of the relationship for up to six months. And, the same girlfriend that was with him in 1996 when she reported another domestic incident. and But her and Great had a child by then. It's almost like he seemed to be involved in nonviolent crimes except when dealing with females, especially those... He was dating. Yeah. Yeah. As a control freak, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. Sean, he moved on to felony when he and a juvenile committed a burglary. And he was sentenced to four years in prison in 1997. But, you know, like I said, he received just he early release a few months later. So is that twice? Did he get it? Yeah. Okay. But. So that's another thing. Like, a lot of them, you get, you get in trouble and then you get right out. So Yeah, it's, not, it's like he's not getting punished for anything. Right. But his violence escalated in 1999 when he was 22. And. When uh, his 17-year-old girlfriend, who was two months pregnant with a child, told police he choked her, and she almost passed out. But Sean spent less than a month in jail for that. And her family sought a restraining order against him. And the ex-girlfriends asked the judge to move, remove the no-contact order for yeah, a few months later, try to you know, keep did, him away from her. Did he or did he not? When he, she asked her for it to be removed, he didn't remove it. Did mm, no. Right. And so that just tells you how good he is at manipulating. Yep. And Sean Great's second child was born on September the eleventh, nineteen ninety nine, which is as of recording this episode is tomorrow. Oh, well. Today is September tenth. So but you know, they had that new baby girl on September eleventh and the baby didn't seem to help the couple's relationship, Dale. No, I'm sure. Not. And uh about a month after his son was born, Great approached the baby's mother and her sister with a butcher knife. And in a struggle over the knife, the ex-girlfriend sustained a severe cut to her finger, and Great was also cut several times. Do we know what this is about? Is it just him flipping out? Yeah, just flipping out, man. And it sort of stepped up his game a little bit because he's using a weapon. Yeah, now he's, yeah. 
Yeah. Not just choking. Now he's went to the mouth door or whatever. Yep. And the incident led to Sean Great longest stint of incarceration. And, and in 2000, his early release was revoked and a judge sentenced him to serve the remainder of his original four-year sentence. Right. So where he got out early before he went ahead and just said, no, nah, you need to go on and finish that out. Yeah. And the former Marion County prosecutor, Jim Slagle, who is now a judge, said his office sought a separate prison term for his new conviction, but the judge, Robert Davidson, sentenced Great to probation on the new charges. So he made him finish out his old sentence. Then got probation. Yeah, on probation on top yep. of it. I got you. Yeah. So he's building up speed here. Yeah, it's just it's like he's getting more and more violent with abuse and I don't know. He's just getting out of hand. Great was released in January of 2003. Now, by October of that year, Great got in trouble again with the mother of his second child who accused him again of choking her and forcing her to perform a sex act on him. Mm. And although he was not charged with a sexual assault, Great was charged with two counts of misdemeanor domestic violence and returned to prison for seven months before being released in May of 2004. So he gets something, then he gets prison, and he gets out. Yeah, and it's just like a, a repeated cycle here. Yeah. Over and over. And it looks like he, he tried to straighten up because for the next several years, you know, it shows that Greg was involved in some minor issues with the law, but although he missed killing an unidentified woman in Marion during 2005, but this was later on. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It was later, you know, down the road. We're going to get to that, but okay. but somewhere in 2005, he had missed killing a woman, but this is it was later on. Now, this uh, Christina Hedreth, she was the five-year girlfriend of Sean Great and, that she met in 2005, and after they began living together, Great was upset with her because the children were there and characterized him as mentally abusive for the most part, although some of the instances, their incidences were violent. But the worst came in June of 2010, and that's when Christina told the police that she had been assault, uh, had been assaulted by Great, including multiple blows to the face, being grabbed by the throat, and part of her hand was also fractured. And said that she it was fractured when she actually raised it up to fit, you know defend herself. Right. So she threw her hands up, you know, try to save herself, and he broke her hand. But she was able to get Great to let her go to the emergency room and initially told the staff there that she had fallen. Mm. But so uh, later when he left the room, when uh, she went and told the nurse exactly what had happened, and then when police were notified, he found out and took off running. He escaped them that day, but they, they caught him four days later. So pretty much he she told him in front of him that you know she had fallen, but then after he left, she told him the truth. Right. He was very violent. Yeah. Yeah. And he had done that. Yeah. And part of his mental problems, Dale, this Christina Hedreth also said that he would write letters to her cats. So I wonder if that was like, because I'm sure that she got some kind of, uh, like a, what do you call it, a 50B, whatever it is. Yeah. Like a, some kind of restraining order or something. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if he thought he could uh, get around that by writing letters to the couch, to, to the couch, <laughs> by writing letters to the cats instead of to her. Could be. That's what I thought when I first heard that part. I'm like, I don't think he's Looney Tunes as far as that bad is 
writing letters to the cats, I think he was trying to dance around that restraining order. Yeah, address them to the cats. Yeah. I ain't writing that's, them. That's so crazy, man. So I don't know which is worse, actually, but but that's what I, I was I, – I put that off to me. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, but that's very possible. Yeah, you're still going to get the letter, but I'm not writing it, quote, quote air quotes, to I mean, you. The, the cat didn't have a restraining order against him. <laughs> right. We're still talking to the cat. <laughs> that's so messed up man that is so messed up you know we're talking about all this deal it seemed that sean great discharmed the ladies and he had no problem finding new girlfriends at all no he had them stacked up yeah and even after physically and sexually assaulting them in several cases for years and he effectively covered his tracks after each incident i mean pretty much yeah and it's you know it's like he had a psychological need to control people, especially them. Yeah, but he kept getting away with it too. So yep. And uh, a lady by the name of Nancy Radcliffe, she was the director of the Sexual Assault Services and Helpline of Delaware and Mora County. She even said that you know he was charming and violent. Descriptions of great are not mutually exclusive, uh, but Radcliffe had worked in the field of intimate partner violence for more than 25 years, both as part of her current position and in other roles. And in research about partner abuse, a more expansive definition she used, there is likely a, a Jekyll and Hyde model of abusers. It's almost like, you know, describing Sean Great. Yeah, like two different people. Yeah. All right, Dale, that's just a little bit of background on Sean Great, but we're going to skip ahead. Okay. And we're going to talk about what brought out, brought him down? The infamous nine one one call. The infamous nine one one call. Yeah. Now, that's pretty damn creepy. Yeah. Now, on September thirteenth, two thousand sixteen, there was a nine one one call placed, and the woman that called, her name has been redacted, but uh, we'll just we'll just refer to her as Jane Doe, and she was being held captive by Sean Great. Yep. In a it's almost like an abandoned house, but I've I've been told and heard that it was like a house that was used for storage, for clothing. Yeah, could be for needy people or something. Right, homeless or something. No one was living there. Yeah, it was an abandoned house. Right, and it was a big house too. Yeah, we've got pictures. We'll post on our website of all this. And, right, but he managed to break in, and he was holding this girl captive yeah basically hostage yeah she had been abducted for two days and sexually assaulted right drugged up and peeled up yeah but she managed to free herself yeah and we're gonna have this 911 call that we're talking about at the end of our podcast it's a it's about 15 minutes long and dale i'm gonna tell you it is the creepiest 911 call i've ever heard right and i encourage everyone to it's a it's a long listen but it's really it's intriguing very well worth it yeah yeah, it it will give you cold chills listening to this. Yeah. But she managed to call 911 and whisper to the operator. Yeah. While still tied up, bound, well, she had freed herself and reached over and grabbed his phone. But first, while he was sleeping in the bed next to her. Yeah. And when she first went for it, she actually grabbed a taser instead. So she had to do it twice, fortunately. Yeah, I don't think he had a weapon. I think all he had was a taser. Just that taser, yeah. Yeah, but you all this will come out in a 911 call. Yeah. But listen to it it takes 20 minutes for the 
cops to get there and rescue this poor girl. Right. But once the cops get there and they rescue this girl, there is a they discover a foul odor. Yeah, when they were going through the house, they uh, start. They come in. Well, you know, I guess a spoiler, but they come in. They rescue her and, re- and arrest him. Yeah. But then they start searching the house. Yeah, they and do. They go upstairs in uh, one of the bedrooms and they see a, a closet door that's been completely duct taped shut. Yeah, it's just duct tape covered. And when they cut it open, it's just a real uh, the odor hits them. Yeah, and then that's when they find a, a body. Yeah, but it's buried up under a pile of clothing. Yeah, naked. You know, it's been restrained. Hands and feet are restrained and been strangled. Yeah, already decomposing. And this was the body of Elizabeth Griffith. Yes, and she had been actually been missing for about a month. Yeah, she had went missing on August sixteenth. Yeah. She was uh, 29 years old, and she was last seen near a Walmart on uh, US 250 East near Ashland. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, she just seemed missing. And so they found her body. And uh, and then when they kept searching the house, they went down in the basement. Yeah. And that's where they run across yet another one. Uh, a woman by the name of Stacy Stanley, uh, who was also known by Stacy Hicks. Right. And she was 43. Yeah, and she had last been seen at a BP gas station, uh, also in Ashland. And uh, she was she had actually made a phone call that night to her family because she had had a flat tire, and uh, she was trying to get some help with the flat tire. And while she was on the phone with with her brother, I believe, she said, "Never mind, this is nice gentleman has just shown up and he's going to help me with my a tire. nice gentleman." <laughs> so uh, she helped him with the tire. No, we don't know if he ever got the tire fixed or not, but that was the last day ever. So yeah. It just shows you he's preying on a weakness. Right. She yeah. has. And even said that her family had, they knew something was wrong and they tried to report her missing to the police, but she had been, she had a, a history of addiction and stuff. So the cops just basically blew it off as that she's probably on another bender and they didn't really even take it serious. But yeah. Yeah. So it was uh, Sean who had shown up to help her with her tire. And yeah, she was just reported missing. So and, and when they found her, she was in the basement and she was also dead, been strangled under a pile of clothes and some trash and uh it was pretty easy for them to id her because their purse was still laying there with id and everything in it yeah it's pretty, uh, pretty sad crazy stuff man yeah. but yeah we get back to this nine this famous 911 call this poor girl you know jane doe they, they won't you know say her name right. but <laughs> talking to this 911 operator but jane doe had some patience man she was a. Uh, they said she was a really religious person and uh even she she wouldn't even do anything with anybody she she had went she had known Sean for about a month and a half according to the call mm-hmm. and uh they had went out for coffee or stuff here and there but as far as anything romantic she was completely against it because that was against her, her values and i'm mm-hmm. really her faith is what got through got her through it had it. to whether you believe anything or not but her faith got her through this mess because she she is so calm and collected on on this phone call. Oh yeah, it it's whispering yeah. and him laying next to her. Yeah, right asleep. there. It's crazy. That is the craziest thing I've ever heard. But she had some patience talking to this nine one one operator. And if I'd ever met this nine one one operator, I'd kick her butt. Yeah. I mean, she she was just rude. Yeah, she really was. <laughs> it just especially as the way it comes across. I'm like, good lord, lady. Yeah, asking her some of the craziest questions. And I don't know if she was just trying to keep her on the line. Or, and I thought, too, that it might have been a 
they thought maybe it was just a domestic dispute. Yeah, could be that, or maybe they didn't even know if it was real, you know, because she didn't give her an address. It was basically, I'm at the house beside the laundromat or yeah. whatever, you know. So I was trying to think of, think of that same thing, like looking through her eyes. And she's like, is this really real? You know, like, why don't you just leave? Why don't you just, I'm like thinking. Just walk out. You know, on the other side, this girl's been tied up and, you know, even where she tried to get her stuff loose, it would strangle her. And this one time she can get free and call for help and you're going to give her a hard time. About but he, he rigged the doors too where they make noise. Yeah. And she tried to get out. Right. So she had opened up the door. He had no right to end. But, you know, she he left the phone there and the taser. But I guess he just assumed that he had her tied up. Right. Well, said that she, he would give her uh, some kind of pills, like uh, antidepressants or something, because he said it would take the edge off of whatever he was going to do to her. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming maybe he was on some pills, too, and, and he was probably out. Yeah. Um, you know, because... Otherwise, he would just woken up, I think. Because, you know, one time she flipped out because he thought he was waking up. Yeah. You know, and that's when it kind of got real, and she real, was, real tense. And she was set the taser off, too, didn't she? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I think she set the taser off. <laughs> yeah. She should have set it off on him. And he woke up. And that's when, you know, she freaked out. But yeah. he went back to sleep. So he had to have been on something, too. Yeah, I think he was on pills, too, or something. Either there had been up a couple of days or, you know, you don't know because there's not a lot of info on that. But. That's the way it seems to me. Mm-hmm. I figure if he was giving them to her to take the edge off, he, he had them taking them himself. Yeah. But according, apparently according to the 911 call, she was she didn't have any clothes on, and no. he didn't either. Right. Yeah, definitely. She said definitely he didn't, and so you know she didn't. Yeah. According, of course, what was going on the last couple of days, that basically he'd done anything he can think of, anything and everything. He had to, um, to that girl. homemade sex toys that he was using too, didn't he? Yeah. Sure did. Yeah. He had rigged up devices to use. Can't imagine this poor girl, what she went through in those couple of days. Right. But I wonder the, if she knew those other girls were even in the house. Probably not. And, and the smell. Right. Maybe she just thought it was a dead animal or something. You know, got in a crawl space or something. Can't imagine, man. So apparently he'd done the same thing to them girls and then stuck one in the closet, took the other one downstairs, and then... I think he even drew her in. Like I said, you know, they had known each other for a while, and I think he had uh, got her to come there on the pretense that they was, she was going to give him some clothes or something or was giving her something, and then uh, that's when he got her, uh, her to go with him, and then he abducted her and took her there. Yeah. All right, we're going to get into um, an interview that Sean Great did to Channel 19 News in Ashland County, Ohio. And there's no audio of this, but there is a transcript, and Dale and I are going to do this interview. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Oh, shit. Yeah. I'm going to play the part of the interviewer, and Dale will be doing the voice of Sean Great. And this is going to be good. And this is just going to give you an insight on the mind of Sean Great in this interview. It's not a very long interview, so we want to make sure that we get this out. Anything you'd like to say before we get started? I'm learning this was out of behavior for me. I had to cover everything up. It was tearing me up all those years, knowing what I'd done. I'd have, I'd have these thoughts like, dang, I had to face myself every day. Were there any influences that you were exposed to, like the show Dexter? Um, what's that? It's a show about a forensic scientist for the Miami Police Department, and when they had bad guys get away, he is a vigilante and kills them. Hmm. I never heard about it. I didn't have any influences. It was all internalized. I feel like I always prayed to God. It's hard to forgive yourself. 
you have your moments. Let's talk about these women you confessed to murdering in 2005, believed to be Dana or Diane. Yeah, she was trying to sell me magazines. I remember her trying to sell them to me. Me and my mom would be on the porch, and she'd try to sell them. My mom said she wasn't getting her subscriptions delivered. What was her name, Diane or Dana? I know you admitted to Marion County Sheriff Tim Bailey. That was her name, Dana or Diane? Dana. I would say uh, Dana, yeah, 99%. What happened with that? Well, she came to the house, and I tried to, and tried to tell me that uh, she would pay for half the description if I paid the other half. I know she was scheming me. So there's a pretty big gap between Dana in 2005 and the next woman in 2015. What was going on during that time? I was in jail for child support, you know, in and out of jail. How many kids do you have? Three. One was Steph, a daughter named Kaylee. Uh, she's 18 or 19 now. She's remarried. A son named Dylan, who lives with my mom. He plays football. He's 17. Oh, really? What position? They move him around to different positions a lot. What about your third kid? Violet. Yeah, she's four. Oh, that's a great age. Have any of your kids visited you since all this went down? No. What about Rebecca Lacey? The coroner ruled that to be drug-related. I knew Rebecca. One day we were out playing pool at the bar. I went to use the bathroom and I heard my money clip zip. She had stolen $4 from me. But the coroner rules it as an overdose. Yeah, she was on something. She was a prostitute. Let's talk about Candace Cunningham. Uh, You two were dating for how long? Was she pregnant? No, she wasn't pregnant. We were seeing each other for about seven months. She was pretty violent and suicidal. I turned her into a psych ward for a week. Then we fought at the house in Richland for three or four days. The next day, we'd get up and go for walks. and She would have a runoff and... She could have run off and told the police at any time, you know. She could, she would take handfuls of pills at a time, and I would just give her some water. How did you kill her? In the house. Then you burned the house down and went back for her body? Why? Well, I had to hide her. Now the next woman, Elizabeth Griffin. How did you meet her? At the Croc Center. We would hang out and play games. Yahtzee, right? I think I read that in a, in a report. Yeah, and some other games, too. What happened with her? Uh, why kill her? I'm trying to justify this compassion. The short time I talked to her, she cried several times. Just about life and how she she couldn't find anybody to love her. She had mental in, mental illness. Candace was beating herself up too. They tried to put that. They tried to put me on them psych pills too, but I didn't want anything to do with anything controlling my brain. Are you remorseful? It's about fifty fifty. All I wanted to do was show Elizabeth. I'd say, give me a hug. We're all in this together. And I'd choke her until she said she wanted to live. She just didn't. Hmm. What about the woman you abducted who called 911? Did you meet her at Stone Creek Apartment uh, along with Elizabeth, too? Yeah. We were going to get married. I wasn't going to kill her. She was very religious. She encouraged people, helped them see who they were. I would play badminton with her at Stone Creek Apartments, and Elizabeth would be there. Was she helping you? Yeah. Are you religious? I feel I've always been religious. How about Stacy Stanley? Did you just see her have a flat tire and that's how you met her? Yeah. Did you ever tell anyone that you killed women before? Yeah, in ways. I broke down crying for a long time 
in a few different to a few different women. Then I'd say something to confuse them. Are you a sex addict? Mm, sex is a weakness, but you have to you got to have control over it. So you've confessed. Why not plead guilty in court? I admitted it. I told my attorney that if he said it again in court, I'd speak up. Have you killed anyone else, or just the five? Why not admit it all at this point? No, they're just the five. Let me see your list. And he holds up a uh, list of victims up to the glass. Right. Yeah, there were five. Are you afraid of the death penalty? Uh, I admitted it. I feel I deserve the death penalty, but I also feel I can help some people in here. My problem is everyone telling me what to do. I'm just trying to free myself of what I've done. I'm afraid of the death penalty. I have cases in Richmond here and Marion and there's time. I'd like to die on my own, not by the state. My attorneys keep telling me not to talk to anyone. I don't need you. I'm guilty. Is there any statement you'd like to release to the public or the victims' families, the loved ones that are missing the victims? I'd like, I'd like to ask those who know me to forgive me and the victims' families, the loved ones that are missing the victims. Anything else you'd like to say? Yeah, my bunkmate is crazy. He's an F3 or an F4 registered offender. Have you ever messed around with kids? No, I like older women, except for Candace. She was younger, but more of a friend. Well, thank you for your time. Well, thank you. Dale Great was indicted on a total of 23 counts in connection with the murders of Stacy Stanley, Elizabeth Griffin, and kidnapping and rape of an unidentified woman who managed to escape and call for help. One that was in the house, you know, made the 911 call. Right. So, Dale, Sean Great's trial for the Ashland crimes began two weeks with two weeks of jury selection on April 9, 2018. And the trial began with opening statements on April 23rd. And on May 2nd, Sean Great pleaded guilty to the 15 charges against him. And on May 7th, Sean Great was found guilty of murdering Stacy Stanley and Elizabeth Griffin. Those were the two women. You know, they were found in the house. Right. And on June 1st, Sean Great was sentenced to death. And with an initial execution date to be set upon conviction for September 13, 2018. But the execution was stayed due to a pending appeal to the Ohio Supreme Court. And Sean Great, sentenced to death, the convicted Ashland killer learned his fate today in a packed courtroom with a sea of purple honoring those victims' lives. Channel 3's Amani Abraham was there as the victims' family spoke. You know, I've been waiting a long time to see you, man. Following weeks of Sean Great's murder trial, families of the victims didn't hold back their words when they spoke directly to the man convicted of killing Stacy Stanley and Elizabeth Griffith, both found dead in his home as a third woman escaped. You know, you took advantage of that woman and my mother like they were nothing. That doesn't make you a tough guy. It just makes you evil. Hours before he would learn his fate, Great spoke directly to the victims' families. I can't say I'm normal, but you know, I know right from wrong. I ask you maybe forgive me. Find your heart someday. I know not today, but someday. His words followed by more than an hour of victim impact statements, family expressing their heartache left behind, and a feeling that his punishment does not fit the crime. Real justice would be for you to come with me for about five minutes, burn in hell. You are evil. God tells me to forgive you, 
And only because he said it, I'll forgive you, but I don't feel it in my heart. You're a sadistic murderer. Death by lethal injection. Court the judge's ruling followed the jury's recommendation. Court further orders that each of the death penalties be carried out by appropriate authorities on September 13, 2018, which would be the two-year anniversary of uh, Mr. Great's discovery. Now, jumping ahead just a little bit to March 1st, 2019, Sean Great pleaded guilty to the murders of Rebecca Lacey and Candace Cunningham and was sentenced to life in prison without parole for the murder of Lacey and 17 years to life for the other charges. The sentences are to run consecutively. Hmm. Sean Great has already been sentenced to death in the murders of two Ashland County women. Today, he pleaded guilty in the deaths of two more women in Richland County. And tonight, Great says he wants to talk to officials in a third county about a murder case there. Amani Abraham was in the courtroom as this all went down. Disturbing, to say the least, Amani. Yeah, that's right, Sarah. Great was already sentenced to death last year in Ashland County, but today he got another life sentence for two more murders, and he may be connected to yet another in central Ohio. I couldn't even look at him. For Candace Cunningham's mother, staring into the eyes of the man who killed her daughter was something she couldn't do. Instead, her words were read by a victim's advocate. You are a heartless individual who deserves to die a cruel death like what you did to Candace and all the other young women. In May, Sean Grade was sentenced to death for the murders of Elizabeth Griffith and Stacey Stanley after a long trial. Today in Richland County, he changed his plea to guilty to killing Cunningham, found behind a burned-out house in 2016, and Rebecca Lacey, who was found in 2015. But Lacey's father doesn't believe Grade killed her. In a victim impact statement, he says Lacey struggled from a drug addiction and questioned the investigation. Still in handcuffs, Great signed his guilty plea and spoke briefly. It's going to be hard to forgive me, but just apologize for my actions. Nobody even knows his name, and I'd like to keep it that way, because there's no reason for anybody to know exactly who that man is, because he's worthless. Great's attorney also spoke about Great's interest in talking to authorities in Marion County. They also have a case of this magnitude uh, as it relates to Sean. We contacted a sheriff's office there, and they say Gray confessed to killing a woman more than 10 years ago, her body found in 2007. But Gray says he didn't know her name. Officials are still working to identify her and have since only been able to release a sketch. He had no right to take these ladies' lives that have family that love them. His sentence of life without parole is in addition to his death sentence out of Ashland County, although an appeal has been filed in that case. As for the Jane Doe in Marion County, officials say they are moving forward with familial DNA testing in hopes of identifying the woman and working on a connection back to great. Back to you, Sarah. Okay. Thank you, Amani. So after he got caught, he went ahead and told him about the other one. Yeah. And he yeah. actually took him to where the bodies were. Yep. And on September the 11th, 2019, Sean Great pleaded guilty to the murder of Diana Lowry and was sentenced to life in prison uh, without parole plus 16 years. So is that the one he was, 99% it was Dana? Yeah, okay. exactly. So that's that's pretty much Sean Great, Dale. Mm. But, so, so I guess he's still in prison. Yeah, he's still awaiting execution. But we want everybody to, you know, make sure they listen to that 911 call. 
Yeah. That is the creepiest call I've ever listened to. Yeah, it's well worth a listen. Absolutely. All right, you got any you got any thoughts or comments on Sean Gray? No. Before we close out. No, I don't think so. I think he's just uh I don't know, power driven. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. I, mean, you know. I don't really have a lot to we don't really know a lot on him. Mm-mm. And it's just one of them one of them serial killers you just don't hear much about. Well, and you don't really hear about much um, as far as serial killers now. You know, it's always, I mean, either they got better at hiding or we're not seeing them as much. It's just, you know, it's not like the, the, infamous, the infamous one from the 80s, you know, and, you know, that got all the, the hoopla and, like, this guy's really recent. Yeah, and, and stuff just came out last year on him. So this this is very recent. So we may hear more down the road on him. Right. Maybe some more victims that he doesn't, you know, he didn't confess to. Let's hope not. All right. Here's the 911 call, and then uh, we're going to get out of here. All right, man. We want everyone to be safe, be careful, and always be aware of your surroundings. Because the next episode could be about you. This is the Crack Crack House Chronicles. What is the address to your emergency? I just lost street laundry mat. What is it? Or, or street laundry mat. What's the problem? I've been abducted. What's your name? How do you spell your last name? Who abducted you? John Green. You said John Green? Sean Great. Where's he at now? Asleep. Where is he sleeping at? In the bedroom. In what bedroom? There's two houses right by the laundry street. And it's in one of those houses. But you're at the laundromat? No, I'm I'm in the bedroom with them. What color is the house? Is it a crop? If I'm looking at the laundry mat, which way is it? If you're looking in the laundry mat, it's one on the left of the two. You don't know what color the house is? No. Please hurry. Does he have a car? No. Well, he sat down the street. What's your phone number you're calling me from? And you think it's a yellow house? I think so, but it's on the left. Is it an apartment? No, it's a house. Okay, does he own the house? No, he broke into it. Does anybody actually live there? I think they've been abandoned. And his name is Sean Great? Yes. Like G-R-A-T-E? Yes. Does he have a weapon? Where do you live? What does he look like? Is he a white male or a black male? Is he like six foot or is he shorter than that? He's like six one, six two. Do you know how much he weighs? Probably one seventy five. 
Are you injured? A little. What color is his hair? Brown. Do you know what color his eyes are? What's he wearing? Nothing right now. Okay, stay in the home with me. Stay in the line with me, okay? Is he still sleeping? Yes. Where did he take you from? My, my apartment. I mean, I was walking with him. You were walking with him? Mm-hmm. Or were you walking too? His place. I've known him for like a month and a half. Is there any way you can get out of the building? I don't know without waking him, and I'm scared. Is there a bathroom in the house? Well, his bedroom is closed, and he made it so it would make noise. But if you told him you had to go to the bathroom, he would do something to you? Yeah, because he had me tied up. So are you tied up now? Well, I... Yeah, but I kind of freed myself. in the same room with you? Yes. Is it his phone you have? Yes. Are they on the way? Yeah, we have officers we're sending. Okay. Please send enough. Okay, if, you, if you're worried you don't have to talk, you can just set the phone down, okay? I just need to hear if the officers find you or not. Okay. Are you upstairs or are you downstairs? We're downstairs. There's a door. There's a side door on the right of the left house, and that's where we enter. Immediately, there's a kitchen right there, and then the bedroom is right, right off from the kitchen. Okay. Do you need an ambulance? bleeding from anywhere? Not anymore. Where were you bleeding from? You don't have to talk if you don't need to, okay? Do you know where he lives?
still there? I'm a smoker. What? I'm a smoker. Do you hear any officers outside? No. Okay, they're in the area. See if they can come in the side door slow, like, um, Is there a padlock on the bedroom door, or is it just a regular lock? No, I don't even, I don't even know if it's locked. I have a knob, so. Can you get up and see if you can get out? I'm afraid of waking him. If I knew the cops were right there, I would do it. I don't even know if it opens. How it opens. Is there a window around there you can look out? Yeah, but the floor squeaks and it's right by his head. Are you laying down? No, I'm standing right by the bedroom door. And you can't open it? What? Can you open it? I'm afraid without making noise. Is the door to the house open? I don't know. Probably. Can you see out any window that you're at? They're all, um, they're all curtains shut. that noise? I don't hear anything. If you think you can get out, you need to get out. Unless they were right here. He was hearing me catch Penny strong. on the first floor. Are you at the house closest to the laundromat or the other one? Are you the one closest to the laundromat or the other one? You were standing in the laundromat looking at the two houses that would be on the left. Here, look out of the laundromat. So if you look at the laundromat, you're the one on the right. At the laundromat. If you're looking at the laundromat, you're the one on the left. Side door. And the side door. The side door to the right. Okay, I can hear him. You hear him? Okay, do you think you can get out? Are you out of the bedroom? It doesn't have a doorknob. You need to push. The door doesn't have a doorknob? Can you see them? No. He said push the door. 
Are they on the other side of the door? Yeah, I think so. She said, have you guys push the door? There's no doorknob there. Just push it. Can you get out of the bedroom? I can't. The door is... Can you hear anybody right now? She heard the side door open. Can you get to the door where you can see out? Huh? Can you get out of the house? It's locked. Are you at the door? Yeah, I am. She's at the door. You're on the door to the right-hand side of the house. She's at the door on the right side of the house. She got out of the bedroom. Is there a window there? Yeah, I'm looking out and they tell them to come back. She said, hurry, hurry. She said to hurry up and come back. Can you? Yeah, they can see me if they it's come locked. to it. The door is locked. No, the bedroom door has no door handle. This was, it's locked. You can't get out. Can you unlock the door at all? Wow, hurry up, hurry up, get out of here. Where is he? Is that Bill's sleeping? Bill's sleeping? Yeah. Okay, they have her. Get one on her arms. On arms? Yeah. Right. You need to go. Amen. <laughs> Yeah. 